Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and it is hot in the summertime in Columbus, Georgia. Don't have to tell you that. I know y'all are out traveling, but no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, whatever you have going on, God is welcoming you home. So we invite you to come and join us as we celebrate our awesome God of love and of grace and joy. Come on in. Our first scripture reading this morning is from Old Testament, Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 8. Listen to the words of God. Now the whole earth had one language and used the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth." The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second scripture reading this morning will be read from a treasure from the church. Some one or two present today may recollect the presentation of these. This is the inscription in the front of the Soldier's Testament, presented to John H. Moy by the session of First Presbyterian Church, Columbus, Georgia, July 4, 1942, 80 years ago. Oh, beautiful for heroes proved. Let us now listen to the words found in the book of Revelation. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. 
And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is a powerful story, a true one, about a young mother who wished to encourage her six-year-old sons as he learned how to play the piano. So after much planning and preparation, she took her son to a nearby city to hear the great pianist Paderewski. The mother and son duo arrived at the grand concert hall, found their programs, and settled into their seats. However, much to the mother's surprise and delight, she spotted an old friend in the audience and hurried to greet her, of course, admonishing her little son to stay right where he was. Of course, once left to his amusements, the little boy inched up from his seat and tiptoed through the hall, wide-eyed with wonder. Soon, he was exploring the very back of the concert hall until he found his way to a door which was marked, no admittance. When the house lights dimmed and the concert was about to begin, the mother returned to her seat only to discover an empty chair. Before she could panic in earnest, the curtains parted and the spotlight focused on an impressive Steinway on stage and the little boy sitting at the piano, completely unaware of his surroundings, picking out the tune of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. At that same moment, the great maestro Paderewski made his entrance, and upon seeing the child so intently concentrating, the old master quietly and quickly moved to the piano and whispered in the child's ear, Don't quit. Keep playing. Then leaning around the child, Paderewski began filling in a bass chord after chord with his left hand, and then his right hand reached around and began a running obligato. Breathtaking, unexpected music. The little boy was so taken by the experience that he never realized how unsettling the moment might have been. And the audience Well, the audience was so mesmerized by Paderewski's impromptu compassion and creativity that they never could recall what else he played that night. They only remembered that he had played a marvelous duet with a tiny little boy. A memorable story and a powerful metaphor For all of us, God is always placing arms around us, working with our faltering melody lines and adding other lines of harmony when we need them most. 
the Holy One whispers encouragements to all of us like, don't quit. Keep playing. Too many wrong notes, too many minor chords. Relax. Trust me. Here I am right by your side. And I, the holiest of holies, I can make all things new. Of course, no matter how encouraging we might imagine God's words to be, we've all got to be honest about the fact that God's words are often muffled and hard to hear. And then when we think we have heard God speak, we don't always hear the same thing, do we? Whether it's about the presbytery, pastoral leadership, money, building upkeep, or the selection and speed of hymns, we all have our opinions. And they are often very different one from another. Toss all of our opinions together with a dose of political divides, generational misunderstandings, and culture wars. And we find ourselves cooking in a bubbling stew of anxiety and uncertainty. It's a lot. So let's place our daily reality, our national and global reality, right beside the living word, scripture, so that we can remind it, be reminded that our daily reality is held in an expansive reality, one that is truer and larger than anything we can ever imagine. So that's why we come week after week. We come here to be reminded that it is scripture that shapes our reality. These good words. Now, frankly, our reading from Genesis today is puzzling. It's a story which has been interpreted time and time again as an example of humanity's pride and God's punishment. Most of us learned that if our ancestors hadn't been so puffed with pride, wanting to make a tower up to the heavens, then we'd all be cozily living together, speaking the same language, everyone getting along because, well, we'd all be exactly alike. The problem with this well-ingrained view is that it gives us a theological basis to lament our differences. And lamentation over differences is precisely what has led believers to participate in disappointing divisions. Division after division after division, all of which make us smaller rather than stronger. So let's look afresh at what this Genesis passage really says. 
in spite of the pervasive view that humans were punished by God for their pride, it's worth noting that neither the word pride nor the word punishment ever appear in this story, in this particular reading. And trust me, there are a lot of Hebrew words for both pride and punishment. So if this story is not really about divine punishment or human pride, then what on earth is it all about? I would venture that this story has much to do with God's invigorating vision for the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It's a vision which requires all of us to live in a way which stretches us beyond our usual zones of operation. During God's first stretching opportunity at the Tower of Babel, we find God mixing everything up. Here we have God's purposeful kingdom-building response to our natural inclinations to gravitate towards those just like us. Remember how the story reads? Let us build ourselves a city and a tower that reaches heaven. Let's make ourselves famous so that we won't be scattered from here and there across the earth. So in response, God scattered them from here and there all over the earth. And they had to quit building the city. As you heard today, in most Bibles, God is described as confusing or confounding or garbling the people's language, all of which caused caused the building plans to stop. But again, it wasn't pride nor industry which were troubling God. God was troubled by our ancestors' focus on, honestly, a building plan. So God acted. It was God's way of saying, if I don't do something to stir things up just a little bit, things will never really change. Everyone will stay inside the tower wondering what color would be best for the carpet or the walls. And if everyone stays inside the tower, the building, worrying about the insides, then how will my blessings get outside? But here's the really amazing thing. God mixed up the people's languages, but the Hebrew word used for God's mixing of the languages is the exact same word used to describe the mixing of the oil and the flour. Excuse me. When these elements were prepared by the priests for worship in the temple, The Hebrew word at its root means to overflow or to anoint. And things are mixed together for worship. Can you hear what an incredible shift that is? God was not confusing and confounding languages, a lamentable act, He was anointing languages and using them for the holy purpose of kingdom building. 
a sacramental act. God was not punishing people by mixing up their languages, but blessing them with differences for a broader mission in the world. And in case we missed this point the first time, the writer of Genesis is very patient. And so the writer follows the story of Babel with the story of Abram and Sarah. You know them, two elderly souls who were called to leave the comfort of their home in order to become a blessing, not for a neighborhood, but for the nations. And Jesus, after having been raised from the dead, reminds the disciples first and foremost to go and make disciples of all nations. So since we're charged to be bright blessings to the nations around us, fishers of every kind of people, perhaps our wealth of differing ideas, opinions, and experiences, perhaps all of these are a means for us to grow in discipleship and unity, patience, and wisdom. Perhaps when we keep our eyes trained on the good news of the gospel, we will discover that our differences need not cause conflict as much as clarity, clarity, and even in time, in time, celebration. When we are united in a shared understanding of Jesus Christ, differences don't undo us. They make us stronger. And here's why. In in John's God-given vision in Revelation, the disciple John described the kingdom of heaven, the city of God, as a place filled with people from every nation, every tribe, every language, people of every possible color and every possible culture, people with different experiences and viewpoints and opinions. They all came together to worship the holiest of holies. They all came to sing their praise. So here, when we hear this final word from Revelation, we see how differences are not only to be fully expected as part of God's created order, but also integrated and united as part of God's vision for all of us to move toward restoration and wholeness. And that is amazingly good news. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but hear this. FPC Saints, as a congregation who yearns to continue to expand your witness and your outreach in the city of Columbus and beyond, these bookend stories from Genesis and Revelation offer some transformative reminders. First, when we're willing to step back 
and take a look at our messy lives through God's eyes, we may discover that our differences of opinions and experiences and backgrounds are precisely what will bring us to new places of deepened insight and renewed imagination. Secondly, our differences of experiences and opinions can truly lead to sacramental moments, moments which are laced with renewal and restoration when we are willing to remember what unites us, when we are more invested in staying connected, when connection matters more than correction. Of course, getting to clarity and celebration, it sounds great, but getting there, it is decidedly hard and holy work, is it not? It is work which demands more of us than we think we can offer, but it is also work which gives us more than we can ever imagine. So when our blood pressures soar, our tongues wag, our heads pound, and tears have salted our dreams, may we find deep confidence and hope that differences between all of you here will actually push us more deeply into the mission of the church, the heart of our communities, and the heart of God. And when we are living in the heart of God, we become the hands of God. And when we are the hands of God, anything is possible. Anything at all. Beautiful new chords will be struck, fresh melodies heard, and these will be melodies of reconciliation and redemption, melodies of resurrection hope. Go and be those people. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Friends, we have wrestled and feasted on God's word. So now let us come and feast on God's promises at God's table.